Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, welcome back. It's Monday, March 15th. Uh, we're back with the Ohioan. Uh, I got Craig and Brandon with me. How are you guys doing? Doing good. well. Fantastic. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're doing a couple different segments. And first of all, uh, we're going to talk about something that I don't think we know much about, um, even as journalists. And wanted to talk a little bit about why it's important, though. Um, the Sunday marked the beginning of a new Sunshine Week. And you might be like, hey, it's not really sunny out right now. Well, what Sunshine Week is, is talking about the value of open government and access to public records and meetings. Now, Brandon, I can imagine, and I'm like this sometimes, you might be sitting out there and going, so what's Sunshine Week? I understand open government and everything, but I don't really care. I don't I don't go to local meetings, so why should I care about this? So, Brandon, help us out. Tell us why the general person out there, why this is important and why, why we should care about open government and open meetings and public records too. Yeah. Um, you know, like they always say, the, the comes from the colloquial, you know, sunshine is the best of disinfectant. Um, just getting it out in the open um, rather than governments keeping their secrets to themselves. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's important that, uh, residents, journalists, and general public have access and have a process, a way to, to access public records. So that way you know how they're using your taxpayer dollars, how they're using resources, what are, what decisions your elected officials are making. Um, and um, that way you, you are better educated about how they go about doing the public's business and how you can hold them accountable if necessary. And Craig, you know, you cover a smaller community. How we do our public tax dollars does matter, right? I mean, um, can you think of an example why, how, you know, maybe through reporting that, you know, you guys uncovered some stuff that shouldn't be there? Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've gotten into some public record spats uh, over the last several years since I've been in the uh, Fremont area, um, and that's just me. We've had other ones before that, but. Um, you know, some people may not care or may not think it's that important, but it really is. And we've, we've had records fights over the releasing of, um, public records for 
how an inmate that was, uh, you know, we had a, a terrible homicide um, years ago in 2015. And we had public records fights to get releasing of um, autopsy, a preliminary autopsy report, not a full autopsy report, but a preliminary one that the coroner's office felt like it did not need to be released, even though it's public record, a preliminary report is public record. Uh, then also about four, four and a half, five years later, we have a similar fight where we have to uh, go to Ohio Court of Claims, which I know we'll probably talk about here in a few seconds, about uh, going to get public records on a by releasing a video from the county on jail records of, of the murderer attempting to commit suicide and them not wanting to, to release that. So we've we've kind of run the gamut. We've also had um, the prosecutor. We had a prosecutor that, you know, they did not want to um, release information. We had to fight them for, for that. So we've had we've had several fights to try to get public records released. Um, and it's it's vital to not just for us, but for the people to know what's going on, what their what their politicians, what the people they elect to do uh, in the county, what they're doing and how they're, you know, keeping the county working and keeping afloat and and obviously keeping secrets to some degree. And sometimes sometimes I think it's more about uneducation, like they're just not educated enough about knowing what's public record. I've had. Um, issues with getting um, a jail roster where uh, someone you know was arrested and I wanted to write a story, but they didn't have a hometown form listed in the jail. So I called the jail and asked, hey, where's this person from? Well, I can't tell you that. Well, why not? That's public record. So sometimes it's about um, understanding better. I just think there's a, a disconnect sometimes between Maybe it's a small town, but sometimes there's a, a disconnect between understanding what's public record versus what isn't or what's what's something that, you know, if I ask a question, it could be easily answered rather than, you know, having to wait around and have it go up the food chain to the to the, you know, someone that's a little bit more experienced or understanding. Uh, but that's sort of the biggest issues that we get into is maybe just kind of a knowledge of what public records really are. Yeah, definitely. Um I like this quote. Yeah, I'm looking for the story, and uh, it was written by the Columbus Dispatch, and we have a public records attorney, Jack Griner. He's based in Cincinnati. He's been for many years with the Cincinnati Inquirer, and he's actually helped um, our papers throughout the state. You know, he's talking about these government agencies, and he says they seem to be rather protective of their data. Uh, it's almost like they feel as public information is proprietary, a trade secret when it's not. And I think a lot of governments don't understand this. You know, if we're talking to, about your local company, like Chase Bank or, or whatever the case might be, they're a private company. So, yeah, there's a lot of information they can keep to themselves. It's not available to the public. But if you're working for government, that's not the case. I mean, you know, Chase is owned by, you know, whoever the CEO would be or the owner might be of that. Well, our government is for the people. I mean, technically, we're in charge of the government, and because of that, it's not a trade secret. You, you know, I, I, and there are arguments to be made where sometimes there is some information that isn't public record, but for the most part, it is public record because we oversee the government, so we have to know what's going on. So, I, I, I mean, I think that's the important thing that people don't realize. <clears throat> 
Um, Brandon, the other thing I was going to mention was um, I love the fact, and we've talked about this before, with um, these public meetings. You know, a lot of times these go- these places aren't meeting um, in person, so you have online meetings. So not just for your local council, if you need to know what's going on in other areas of the state, a lot of these are online. Unfortunately, the Ohio State House has a lot of hearings that are not online, which has led to some questions with masking and other stuff like that. I'd like to see all meetings be available online. I, I think that would definitely help public access, sunshine. It would, it would definitely help the public involved more, you know, from your state house meetings down to your local city council. I, I wonder why that hasn't happened or what would need to happen for it to happen. Well, partly I think it's a city budget issue kind of thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, some city governments do record their meetings. Um, some do it, um, and the, I was in Delaware, and I was a porter up in Delaware County, Ohio. There was, uh, I, I covered some school boards, the city government, um, and then I covered like a start a bit later down the road, I covered a, uh, another community. Um, one of them just had their meetings like, you know, um, recorded and it would go straight to all of the, actually all, a lot of their meetings, their hearings, their commission meetings, their board hearings, and it'll all go straight to YouTube. So it was really, really accessible, really great. Um, they had, um, uh, these other city I covered later down the road. I think they're, they're, um, they didn't, I, they didn't really record their meetings, I think, or they rec- did or video record them or put them on YouTube right away. They did, uh, they, I think they record them like, uh, um, just like with a, t- uh, uh, video tape recorder or whatever. And they just posted the, posted it online or they just, or if you, you had to ask for it later, um, and the school board, they, a school board I covered, uh, did video record their meetings, but it, they didn't go straight to YouTube. I think they kind of had to upload them later on and take a little time with it. So it's, it, there, there is some, a lot of inconsistency of best practices, on how to do that. I don't know if it's more of a technical knowledge or technical issue or, um, and um, of course this is something that uh, these entities are just taking on themselves already. It's hard to say what other communities that are maybe not have the best budgets to do this. Well, I gotta say, I mean, with each passing year, it's become easier and easier to do it. Um, you, You know, with Facebook Live, with Zoom, everything else, you know, and maybe that's argument for hey, you know, even local city council people, you know, even have somebody on part time to help facilitate that. You know, I mean, it's important now, and I, I think anything you can do to make life easier for people, it makes it better. I mean, I think of myself now. I work during the day. Well, hey, you know, with kids and everything, it's hard to get out to a council meeting, even if I want to go out there and see what my local council is doing. So, yeah, I'm for it. Let's have it work. Um, I will say, and you might say, okay, you you guys are all journalists. You're just yapping about Sunshine Week. I, I will say one change that I do like. Um, HIPAA can be kind of annoying to a certain point. But I remember when I was a young reporter, I would call on pretty much every accident. And you would call the hospital official home and say, hey, tell me this accident. Are they in stable? Are they in minor condition? What, what the case is? And we would pretty much be yelling at the PR person if they wouldn't tell us that. Now, it's different days with HIPAA, but there's not much the hospital could reveal. And I'll be honest, I'm a reporter at heart, but I kind of like that. I don't know, Craig, how is it for you now? You're more of the breaking news uh, type reporter. Um, 
I, I think now, really, you just only know if there's a fatal, right? Like if someone dies in the wreck? Actually, not really. Um, really? For the, okay. for, the, for the most part, I would say like a good, healthy portion, 80, 90% of the hospitals that I call, if we, you know, and, and really a lot of it's about making sure that the hospital that is, you know, where this patient's at is reported on by the law enforcement agency in their release or by talking to them. But I would say nine times out of 10, if um, someone goes to the hospital for a non-fatal accident, um, more than likely you're going to get, I'm going to get how their condition is as when I call them. So if they really, wow. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to, going to be specifics, but if I call and someone had a crash, you know, on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, I, you know, catch wind of it and find call the, you know, the hospital that's reported in the press release or by the, the law enforcement agency, um, unless they've signed sort of a non-disclosure agreement while going to the hospital, what, when that, and that's usually something that's handled, you know, when you're admitted by either you or your family, depending on if you're able to do it yourself or not. But, um, you know, you can, you can tell them, no, I don't want people to know that I'm here if I'm here, or I don't care if people know that I'm here. But more often than not, you get an update. I can get an update from a hospital on if someone's unstable or critical or, you know, anything in, you know, anything in between. So um, you'd be surprised. It just depends. Uh, you know, it, it varies case to case, but I've, I've had more success than I haven't had success on that front, really. What has changed with HIPAA, though? Because I know when HIPAA first came, uh, you know, the hospital I was dealing with was kind of aggressive on protecting HIPAA. So maybe it's a case-by-case basis. But what have you found has changed with HIPAA? Well, I don't know that it's maybe changed. I, I think, you know, and they, they really can't specifically say. I, I mean, the way I sort of interpret HIPAA is that they can't specifically say you have a broken leg or they have a broken, you know, bone or they have, uh, you know, they had a, a health incident that led to the crash or something like that. That's kind of how I interpret how HIPAA kind of protects someone is basically it's, you know, getting the word out of what specifically, you know, they have happened, you know, whether it's broken bones or an illness or something that's led to the crash. So I think a lot of it comes down to they can say if someone's unstable or, you know, critical condition. Whereas if they were to say, oh, well, they have six broken bones and they have this and they have that, that's where I think they'd be violating HIPAA more so than anything. Are you finding the same thing too, Brandon? Um, haven't done a lot of uh, calls like that in a while, but right, um, right. generally I think for me, it's, it's, I think the hospital are more, a little more vigorous and, and um, up in, in the hospital areas, up in Youngstown area, when I was there, I would say that um, mostly that burden was shifted to law enforcement. You definitely needed to get like a yeah. law enforcement to really confirm or provide details, um, mm -hmm. if anything. <clears throat> well, I think for me, again, this is just my opinion from a, a public information standpoint, it's good to know what happened. I mean, you know, hey, if, if you see an accident and it stopped traffic for hours or anything. I mean, it's good to understand, hey, if nothing else, say, wow, at least they're okay. Or, oh, man, I feel bad. Someone yeah. died. Um, but it, it, for me, the conditions aren't quite as important to me. But, you know, hey, it just depends. And I'm glad there's better things happening. Though, because I know when HIPAA, I'm old enough where when HIPAA first started was when I started 
was reporting that, and everything changed with HIPAA. It was like the Iron Curtain kind of went down yeah. and it made it hard. So, all right. Well, hey, good conversation. Like I said, check out the article that we have attached with his story. Um, yeah, look for yourself. There is importance of public records. There is importance of open meetings. And you might say, hey, I may not need it now. Well, there's going to be a time where you will need it. And it's important for you to understand why such time week is important. So if nothing else, read the story. Uh, from Randy Ludlow from the Columbus Dispatch. And let us know what you think, and let us know if you have any questions uh, here in the comments. Um, thanks for checking out The Ohioan. And once again, remember to check out The Anchor. Um, it's a great service for podcasting or even you know recording your thoughts and everything. As I said, pre-roll, uh, before the, the um, podcast, check out. You can sign for free. Have a great day, and thanks for checking out The Ohioan.